The topsy-turvy offseason for John Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats continues with yet another addition in Croatian big man Vonimir Visic. How big of a move is this for Coach Calipari's squad? Let's discuss. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, folks, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there, part, of course, of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am thrilled to be joined today by our regular contributor, Leif Tulin, of course, of the Locked On NBA Big Board. And for a while this summer, the host of the Locked On Jazz podcast as well in place of David Locke. Leif and I, we got some international recruiting to discuss today. We're going to talk about what's going on at UCLA with the Daymaras edition. We're also going to talk about Memphis uh, and some changes to their roster late in the transfer portal season. But before we get into any of that, we're going to talk about Kentucky again. And we've been talking about Kentucky a lot Unlocked on college basketball. And part of the reason is because they have had one of the more unique off seasons that I can remember in a really long time. It has gone from good to bad to very bad to dangerous to good again to it's been all over the place. You had at one point after Oscar Shibway declared for the draft, they had seven players on their roster. Five of them were incoming freshmen and there was a lot of consternation. There was concern. Is this team going to be able to kind of be competitive in the SEC with such a young team? Is that kind of the, the direction they're going to continue going? And, and since then, they did add another couple of freshmen, but they also brought in Trey Mitchell from West Virginia, which was a monumental addition for them to play the four. They also bring in, or I should say, return Antonio Reeves, who many thought was not going to come back to Kentucky, but he does, and that's a, a tremendous pickup for them. They go to Global Jam. They look really good at Global Jam. Those freshmen, Reed Shepard especially, looked excellent. They get some injuries, though. Aaron Bradshaw has been hurt. Um, uh, Ugana Onyenoso is hurt as well. Two guys who are expected to be back before the start of the season, but of course having injuries during the offseason is never good. And now, as if that wasn't enough, that's like three offseasons worth of stuff for many teams, but that's all has just happened for Kentucky this summer. And now, they go out and get Zvonimir Ivisic from Croatia, seven foot two center, has been really, really good internationally. He's been playing in Montenegro with his brother. He is a kind of a unicorn type guy, a rim protector. Again, seven foot two. He's also a three point shooter, kind of specializes in those like Chet Holmgren esque skills of being able to do a little bit more with the basketball than you'd normally expect from a center while also being able to protect the rim. And looking at that type of player and what Calipari and Kentucky have on the roster and, and maybe don't have on the roster, it feels like this is a really nice fit. Somebody who kind of comes in and plays a role that that they didn't really have on the roster at, at this point. Leaf, I'd love to hear your kind of thoughts on, on how this pairing here with the Visic and the rest of the, the young guys on this roster kind of might work for Coach Calipari. Yeah, so this is an interesting addition just because in terms of numbers and just scholarships in general, they mm -hmm. have a lot of front court players. And maybe mm -hmm. you could you could categorize it as front court depth, but mm -hmm. I'd almost say it's it's too much of a log jam to be like a yeah. positive at times. Yeah. So bringing in a true center who is known to be a shot blocker mm -hmm. is interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I was under the impression that it may be like a, like the bigs would split time between mm -hmm. um, like the returning player and then Bradshaw is someone who has a lot of talent but it's untapped mm -hmm. is kind of the way that he was billed to me yeah. and then I would argue that though Trey Mitchell is a four 
Mm-hmm. He, his best skill set is almost as if an undersized five. Like that's yeah. when he was at his best at UMass. He goes to West Virginia. His best moments, I would say, came at the five. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just a, there's just a heavy, heavy logjam of non-floor spacers mm-hmm. that like to be kind of dunker spot, roll bigs, and then defensively, their best asset is not versatility on the perimeter. It is it is true shot protection or rim protection shot blocking. So. As for Kentucky as a whole, I'm intrigued, but but I don't think this particular uh, addition does too much to change the prospects of Kentucky in terms of how good of a basketball team they are. Maybe it changes, hey, we produced NBA talent here. Maybe this causes a transfer portal type mm-hmm. of exodus in the year the, the year to come. But but one other thing is that's a lot of players for a few spots. Yeah. And then you've got the same old question that you always ask for Kentucky. Well, who's going to be the guy? And so now mm-hmm. you got Reeves who's going to shoot a lot. Like they've had players that are shooters, like even Kellen Grady. They've had even Tyler Hero was relegated to a shooting spot. Booker, if you take that unbelievably stacked team in 2015. Mm-hmm. So I'm not too worried about that. I think he'll be a good player. But then you've got Justin Edwards, you got Dillingham, all these players. I'm very curious to see how now you got four centers that want to be like the dunker spot guys. Mm-hmm. And now you've got all these guys who are ball in hand. I, I'm very curious to see who emerges as like the main like quartet of players that are important to every, every lineup, because by the end, there's going to, they're going to play eight players. Calipari tries to play big rotation and he cuts it down. And when they, when they make that inevitable run where you're like, Mm -hmm. Oh man, Kentucky looks better again because they have that talent. Mm -hmm. It's seven players every single time. So I'm, I'm a little confused to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I, I understand that as well. I think you look at like Anyenso and who he is as a player and the, the brief glimpses we saw from him last year and, and what they're expecting from him. I mean, he's he's a seven foot center with a huge wingspan who doesn't he, who isn't projected to be somebody who spaces the floor. So, you know, if Vicic is a guy who can space the floor and can come in and immediately contribute as a seven foot two guy who who shoots a bunch of threes, that would be valuable because they don't really have that in their front court. Do you expect somebody to come in and immediately be able to contribute that way? That's the question. If he truly is as, you know, as capable of an outside shooter as, you know, we've seen from highlight clips of him overseas, that again would be really helpful for this team. But I do wonder how having Onyenso and Bradshaw and Trey Mitchell and Ivicic it does feel like a lot kind of in that front court right there. And, and maybe there's some concern about the injuries that both Bradshaw and Onyenso have had it, the reports that we're seeing right now are that both are expected to be ready for the start of the season, but maybe there is more lingering issues that they're worried about. Maybe this is just an opportunity that coach Cal couldn't pass up with a really talented young man from Croatia. And they said, Hey, we'll bring him in and we'll figure out what we're going to do from a playing time perspective later. But it, it does feel like there's a, there's one or two guys who, who aren't going to get the playing time that, that maybe they would have expected. Again, you don't know what the messaging is necessarily, but uh, in today's era where we're seeing teams like Kentucky and Kansas and Duke and other programs, Duke actually is an exception. North Carolina is a better example there of teams that are losing a significant amount of young players because they're not seeing the floor. And it feels like Kentucky might be setting them up for a situation there, but at the same time, I think I would rather bring in a bunch of talented players and risk losing them than, than not having the talented guys in the first place. And, and looking at this roster, I think Kentucky has to figure out how to put all these pieces together. Calipari is going to have to figure out which seven guys are going to be that rotation or eight guys are going to be that rotation. But from a talent perspective, Leaf, for a team that people were really worried about a few months ago, this looks like a team that's going to be pretty squarely in the top 25, maybe even in the top 20 by the time the season rolls around. Oh, absolutely. I, I think you and I probably weren't too worried about Kentucky acquiring talent. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's a 
yeah. thing that has not been a problem under John Calipari. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would say that this is one of their most intriguing teams because a lot of the ones that you always say, I wonder who's going to emerge. I wonder which player uh, steps up and makes this team potentially very good. Because mm-hmm. if you look at the years where Kentucky's truly been very good, and I'm going to leave out the year of 2015 where they were 38 and one, <laughs> where that they just had too much talent to, to mm-hmm. make this point. But even the year with Anthony Davis, Anthony mm-hmm. Davis was expected to be awesome. Michael Kidd Gilchrist was sensational. And that's mm-hmm. what lifted them over the top. Not to mention they had Terrence Jones and other players. Yeah. Uh, you look at some of the more recent teams, the year where the, I thought they were really great was COVID where mm-hmm. you had Emmanuel quickly, who was a, a sophomore and he was the big, uh, sorry, the sec player of the year. Mm-hmm. And then you had Ashton Hagens, Nick Richards, these type of guys that fit in. So these teams are more of the ilk of some of these talented ones that didn't work and mm-hmm. they were redundant. So I'm very curious to see, which player proves he's more versatile than what the skill set is billed as. Yeah. And so I think talent-wise, they're probably a top 15 team. But in terms of redundancy and, mm-hmm. and fit, I, I think they're more on the fringe than most mm-hmm. of the recent Kentucky teams, even the ones that weren't very good, like the one that had Brandon Boston and Terrence Clark, rest in peace. Yeah. That was a team that I thought was slightly redundant but had more talent. They were terrible. They were an awful team with Devin Askew yeah. running the point guard. Yeah. But, but this is – this team makes less sense than that team does if you look at it on paper, but mm-hmm. I think you equal talent. And that team, like I said, was billed as a top 10, 10, like one to start and was mm-hmm. not a very good team whatsoever. Right. So I'd imagine they're going to come in like 15 on the AP poll and then they're going to be somewhere around there. They'll plateau. Then they'll peak a little bit like Calipari's teams do. But yeah, I think there's too many players for too few basketballs. If, if you want my honest assessment, sorry, big blue nation. <laughs> well, it's going to be an interesting job for coach Calipari to figure out how to put all these pieces together without a doubt, but Kentucky is not the only team that's really pulling premier talent from overseas. We've seen a, a kind of an influx of high, high end overseas talent coming to the United States to play college basketball. And UCLA has been another team that has really profited from that, especially making this big splash reportedly and bringing in a Demara out of Spain. And we're going to talk about that and what it means for the Bruins after a word from today's sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post. And then you just add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. And let's be honest, the right team member can have a positive and measurable impact on your business. This is why businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That is linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Folks, want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen or your first watch of the day. We got more fun stuff coming later this week as we continue to explore conference realignment and what that means for college basketball, some continued recruiting updates, and some continuing transfer portal updates. It is not over even as the calendar flips to August, but for now, Leaf and I are going to continue our conversation about two blue blood programs, Kentucky and UCLA, who are adding premier international talent. Uh, Vishich is not the only international star who's coming over. 
Reports are surfacing that Mick Cronin and UCLA are going to add Spanish big man Ademara. They're also adding a forward from Turkey, who I apologize, I'm going to butcher the name here. Uh, Burke Bayaktinso, I believe is the name there. Two big additions for UCLA, a team that lost a lot of talent from last year's roster. We know Jaime Jaquez is in the NBA. We know Amari Bailey got selected in the NBA. Tiger Campbell's gone. Jalen Clark is gone. But they add Mara. And Mara is a player that's already getting a lot of buzz as a potential top top pick or at least lottery pick in 2024. Uh, seven foot three forward. He's got a reported seven foot seven wingspan. Huge player, really long, coming out of Spain, getting comps already to the Gasol brothers, that kind of talent coming out of that country, dominated in the FIBA U18 tournament. And look, UCLA is a team that has had a lot of success with international players in the past. They're bringing in a ton of international talent this season. And looking at a front court that brings in somebody with Mara's skill set, already having a Dembona, who many are projecting to be kind of a, a Pac-12 breakout candidate next season. What does that kind of look like for you when you look at UCLA's front court heading into next season? I thought a Dembona was likely going to be the best big in the Pac-12 mm-hmm. coming into this season. And a Mara, I don't know much, but mm-hmm. but as a draft guy, I've done some a little bit of research on that type of mm-hmm. class where it's early, but, but I want to know a little bit. I, I was reading an article Mm-hmm. And he's he's projected to be the number six pick, according mm-hmm. to the ringers, Kevin O'Connor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- if anytime you're going to have that type of talent, I'm mm-hmm. not going to be opposed. <laughs> right. so even though you have a Dembona, who's a true five, in my opinion, like a Bona mm-hmm. is not a four. Mm-hmm. The fact that a Demara has the skill set. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I know it's it, it's an easy one to make of the Gasol brothers who are mm-hmm. tremendously skilled, soft touch, great passers, everything like that. Um the fact that they, he gets that type of mm-hmm. um, analogy yeah. is, is encouraging enough for me to figure think that this tremendous athlete that is a Dembona, this rim protecting monster, a Dembona, mm-hmm. with a guy with a seven seven wingspan who's skilled, yeah. I'm optimistic. Yeah. Now, what have they lost? They lost Jaime Hawkes, who, if you were to make an all decade team for the Pac-12, mm-hmm. uh, I think he's probably the most obvious answer on there, mm-hmm. and that that speaks to how good he was because the Pac-12 has been pretty good in that era. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiger Campbell was a multiple time all Pac-12 player in his own regard mm-hmm. Jalen Clark was the best defender in the conference and you you lose Amari Bailey to the NBA like that's a talented player so yeah. you lost a talented nucleus I'm not worried about UCLA because I think Mick Cronin is one of the best coaches in the country but they will have an adjustment to make I'm curious to see what uh, Jan Vita another mm-hmm. guy that they brought in is going to be able to do uh, Lazar Stefanovic as I was telling Andy I, mm-hmm. I, I played pickup basketball with Lazar Stefanovic this summer Mm-hmm. Um, and he's an excellent shooter. I'm curious to see the leap he, he puts forth mm-hmm. um, in in Poly Pavilion. And then I'm curious to see what they do at the point guard position, to be honest. Like Tiger Campbell has been such a stalwart. I'm, mm-hmm. And this is no shot at anyone who, who usurps him. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, that that's a that's a real thing that they had no worries about. And now yeah. they've got a significant difference. And so I'm curious to see how it all comes together. But I think UCLA will be a top three team in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty easy to say talent wise. But it is not as easy to say when you see what they lost. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some big hair to fill, big shoes to fill <laughs> for replacing Tiger Campbell. Both, both of them. <laughs> both <laughs> at the point guard position for UCLA. And, and yeah, I think, you know, you look at this, this Bruins team and, and, and I think Mick Cronin always deserves the benefit of the doubt. And I, I'm not low on UCLA. I think I know you, you and co-host Isaac Shade had a conversation about the Maui Invitational group. And it's kind of shocking that UCLA is not one of the even top half teams in that 
in that uh, MTE. Of course, that speaks more to the incredible amount of talent that is just in that uh, tournament this year. But UCLA is a team that there's a bit more mystery surrounding them this year than there has been historically. Like last year, or even the year before that, you're like, well, they have Hawkes, they have Campbell, they're going to be fine. And now they don't they don't have those guys, and they have some some premier talent coming in. But, you know, many of them are international players like Mara, like Vita, like you mentioned. They're bringing in a really talented player from France, Elaine Fibli. Oh, my goodness. Another name that I'm going to butcher. I told Leaf I was going to mess up 10 names before we started recording. I think I'm about halfway there. Um, regardless, a really talented player from France that I know Gonzaga was interested in and a handful of other schools. And I think the question really becomes how quickly can these young men get acclimated to playing college basketball, to being in the United States? Because... When you're relying on multiple players to kind of come in and, and contribute right away, it can be a bit of a challenge. And again, if I'm trying to pick a coach who's going to be able to get players ready to fit into his system and get going right away, there are not many names ahead of Mick Cronin on that list. He is fantastic at that. And I think you look at a, a, a Pac-12 that is kind of down this year. USC is a team that a lot of people are projecting to do well, of course, the complete kind of unknown mystery surrounding when Bronny James is going to play again. If Bronny James is going to play again is a, is a big question mark, but Arizona is going to be fantastic. There's very little doubt about that. They return Umar Balo. They of course add Caleb Love and Jaden Bradley. Uh, Keelan Boswell is going to be a big piece for them. So I, I like I look Colorado at, too. Yeah. Yeah. Colorado. Yeah. Great. I was, I wasn't going to miss Colorado, but you're right with Tristan De Silva with, with uh, Cody Williams coming in. Um, they added Eddie Lampkin from TCU as well. Like, Colorado is going to be good. USC is going to be good. Arizona is probably the front runner right now. But UCLA is, is absolutely 100% still in that conversation. It'll just be interesting to see how they can get those young players and those young international players kind of up to speed to get going right away. Because it looks, just based on the roster, it looks like they're, they're going to be pretty reliant on some of those guys. And that's uh, not something you see all that often, but certainly something I think that Cronin and the Bruins can handle. I, I think one thing to add for it for this, and and you you touched on it, so but I think a nuance is Mick Cronin made his name playing gritty, stylistically, not aesthetic basketball. Mm-hmm. Like he did this in a recruiting a hotbed of basketball passion, but not a, recru- a recruiting hotbed. Mm-hmm. And so he did this in in at Cincinnati. Yeah. And you you see him and, and you know Chris Mack and all those battles went back in the day. Yeah. And you had you had the the Miller Bros, you, you know all these play all these coaches that are now like household names doing it in kind of non non first ballot type of schools like Cincinnati and Xavier. Everyone knows that loves college basketball. Like Andy Isaac and I will will tell you about that. Yeah, but but it's not something you think of initially. So now he's at UCLA, and UCLA mm-hmm. is on the like top tier blue blood list. Yeah. And he's doing it in a weird way, though. Like, he's not going about it like Duke and Kentucky mm-hmm. and getting the top recruits. Kansas doesn't quite do that either, but he's doing it in a – he's going kind of almost the Gonzaga route yeah. where it's where he's picking players that he thinks are going to fit the way he wants to play. So I think he's learning that he can have the, his pick of his litter mm-hmm. but implement his style. Yeah, And he's learning maybe I'll implement some skillful players that I didn't necessarily have the capacity to recruit when I was at these smaller schools yep. and now I've, I've shown, look, we made the final four. We made the sweet 16 back-to-back years. And both of those times you could make an argument that we should have won yeah. in those, those sweet 16s. And now soccer, I'm going right? to, I'm going to take a day Mara, some, mm-hmm. someone that no one had at Cincinnati. He hasn't had one of those at UCLA even. Mm-hmm. So now he's gotten a day Mara and a Dembona 
Mm-hmm. And and it's it's an interesting fit, but I have no doubt that he can teach tenacity and grit. You can't teach skill. You can improve yeah. skill, but you can't teach it. And so I, I really think this will be a shift to monitor for the future. Mm-hmm. And so maybe not immediately because it's hard. This will be a youthful based team as opposed to the experienced and, and gritty, tenacious one he had the year past. Like I would probably say that UCLA last year is going to be better than UCLA this year. Mm-hmm. But I think this will help the trajectory of UCLA long term. So that's why I wanted to distinguish that it may not be immediately paying dividends with one and done type of talent. But mm-hmm. I think this is going to be something that UCLA is pretty happy with down the road, the pipeline that he's creating. Well said. Well, Leaf, we're going to talk about Memphis to close out the show. Their roster churn continues uh, as they lose to Fale Leonard. He is from Middle Tennessee. He transferred to Memphis. He's out the door. They bring somebody else in and Jaquan Walton to replace him. We're going to break it all down coming up right after this. Segment three here, still Andy Patton, still locked on college basketball, and of course still joined by my guy Leaf Tulane of the Locked On NBA Big Board. And we are closing out the show. We started with two blue bloods in Kentucky and UCLA, ending the show with not a blue bud per se, but a very solid, well-respected basketball program in Memphis, a team that is now probably the front runner alongside FAU in the very new look American Athletic Conference. Uh, Penny Hardaway's team has been very active this offseason, multiple additions, multiple losses, some concern about their incoming freshmen is a storyline after storyline after storyline in Memphis, Tennessee with Penny Hardaway's team. The most recent addition comes via, not via Georgia, via Wichita State. That is Jaquan Walton. Jaquan Walton started his career at Georgia, six foot seven forward. He was recruited by Penny out of high school, spent two years at Georgia, didn't play basically at all transfers down to Wichita state puts up really productive season, 14 points, five boards, two assists shot 40% from three really prolific offensive player. He then transfers to, he hits the transfer portal, goes to Alabama, leaves Alabama after getting arrested for marijuana and then transfers or commits to university of central Florida decommits from Central Florida and ends up at Memphis. Busy, busy offseason for Jaquan Walton. Feels like a really nice fit for him at Memphis. Kind of adds a, a, a outside shooter and a go-to scorer for the Tigers. That kind of kind of where you're at with, with this addition for, for Penny? I think when you build the way that Penny has, where he gets sometimes he gets this unbelievable level of talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most obvious example would have been like James Wiseman, but then he had Jalen Duran yeah. and Amoni Bates. Uh, it, it's almost like you know, you swing for your chances, but sometimes they don't work and they, and you have to adapt late. And that feels like this, what this is. So I'm not Mm -hmm. terribly optimistic for the prospects of Walton, like really changing Memphis's win projection. Right. But I think it's a nice addition considering he had to scramble after losing a player Mm -hmm. that was expected to produce highly Mm -hmm. and, and went to play pro basketball. Yeah. Like that means that he's a good basketball player. If he's going to play pro basketball, as opposed mm-hmm. to playing college basketball. Right. Um, I, I think Penny's built this out into having a, a team that buys into the way he wants to coach. I think Penny's a better recruiter than a coach. Mm-hmm. I don't think many people would really disagree with that, mm-hmm. but it's, it's interesting that the team that the way he's assembled them have at least been conducive to the way he wants to play recently. Yeah. And that's been helpful. Like this last year's Memphis team was a pretty good team. The year prior was a pretty good team. And so I know they lost to FAU, but FAU made the final four and, and Memphis should have won that game. Yeah, like they lost they, by they one, right? <laughs> absolutely blew it. And um, they lost Kendrick Davis. So I think they're going to be significantly worse in that regard. But I also think they could easily be an eight seed again. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's pretty, it's pretty weird to think that way. Yeah. Uh, the big question for Memphis, and I know you're going to, you're going to ask this in a moment mm-hmm. is Deandre Williams. Yeah. Anytime you can have a player who's 27 years old on your team in college basketball, when, when some of the opposition is 18, right. um, that's a lifeline for your team. This maturity, this, uh, a basketball ability and just understanding of how the game's played at this level, which he has got a PhD in quite literally. Um, <laughs> I will, I, I will say that's the biggest question, not yeah. of how good Walton can be. Yeah. I think Walton replacing Leonard is an interesting kind of schematic fit for Memphis in the sense that Leonard was really on the roster primarily to be a a defensive stopper on the wing. Like that's what he's best at. He's not a great offensive player, but he was going to come in and lock down guys on the perimeter and really kind of shut down some of those very talented guards and wings that are in the new look uh, AAC. But now they lose him. They bring in Walton, who's a, a better offensive player. So maybe Penny's going with the, hey, the best defense is scoring more points than the opposing team type of situation. And Walton definitely brings more to this team offensively than Leonard does. But I think you're absolutely right. The big questions for Memphis right now, they got one scholarship left and they're holding it out in the hopes that DeAndre Williams, who has applied for a waiver from the NCAA, if he is granted that waiver, he will come back and he will play college basketball next year at the age of 27, when many NBA players are probably on their third contract by the time they're 27, at the very least on their second NBA contract. So it's a it's kind of a goofy situation. Of course, the COVID eligibility has continued to create some, some wonky storylines in college basketball, this being uh, chief among them. But you look at Williams, I mean, a dude who averaged 18 and eight last year, again, he was very old for the level, but still to put up that kind of production. And like you said, to have the, the wherewithal to be a high basketball IQ player and, and know the game of college basketball better than anybody, because he's been here for such a long time. It feels like if Penny can get Williams back, have Walton in the mix, like they still got some questions at the point guard position. They brought in some talented guys though, but I think I think Penny's got a situation where they should be in that conversation for a championship in the American Athletic Conference. Of course, they don't have Houston to compete with anymore as they go out to the Big 12. But FAU is going to be right there as well. North Texas is going to be right there as well. Heck, Charlotte might be right there. All those teams were really talented last year in Conference USA. They bring them over to the American Athletic Conference. And I'm, I'm incredibly fascinated by how this conference is going to play out and how a team like Memphis will match up against a team like FAU, who, of course, they already had a very epic matchup last year, as you said, in the NCAA tournament, and FAU brings back all of their starters. I think it's going to be a really fun conference, and uh, certainly for Memphis, getting Williams back would, in my mind, probably put them uh, as the definitive second team in the, F- in, in the conference behind FAU, but as a team that could absolutely win that conference outright, uh, if especially if Williams comes back. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I think just the presence he brings to the team mm. is so steadying, not to mention the 18 and eight yeah. um, that, that they should be on paper, the second best team, maybe even the best on paper, but mm. because FAU did what they did and they bring everyone back, I'm going to give that nod to them, but we've seen times in years past and I, I don't necessarily believe this, but we've seen times in years past where, where a team makes a Cinderella run and then mm. they come back for a regular season and they're not able to replicate that same yeah. magic. Like magic gone, yeah. Um, like Wichita State had the opposite, though. Yeah. And so maybe, maybe you're going to have an FAU team that's like, yeah. we should have, we could have made the championship game. We maybe right. we should have done that. Maybe we should believe this. And then they're a one seed. Yeah. Um, I could see that too. 
mm-hmm. but in more times than not, it's hard to replicate it. Granted, most of these teams don't return all their players, especially in the era of basketball we're in. So yep. I, I think that is an underrated title race. Like we could talk about the Pac-12 one. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Big 12 is unbelievably loaded after adding Houston. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think that's an underrated one that FAU yeah. and M Memphis, not to mention they played in the first round in a yep. pretty epic game. Uh, should be one and one and two in the conference USA. Yeah, it's going to be super super fun in the American conference. Or the American, yeah. excuse me. Yeah, I'm with you. Conference. <laughs> uh, either way, it should be an absolute blast. And and I, yeah, I love the Wichita State comp nine seed going all the way to the Final Four, turning around, winning every single game uh, during the next season. Like, could FAU do that? Sure. Could they also be Loyola Chicago? Now Loyola Chicago lost their head coach, uh, and that was a huge part of it. And obviously, for FAU to retain Dusty May is is critical. For this team going forward, I, I would if, if those are the two extremes uh, and I would think that they're probably going to be a, a pretty darn good team throughout the regular season. I don't know that they're going to go undefeated the way that Wichita State did, but uh, going to be really fun to see how FAU does in their first year in the American, especially uh, against a team like Memphis, who, you know, loses their kind of key rival in Houston in that conference. But kind of because of that tournament game last year and because I mean, Penny was throwing water bottles and stuff like it was a big story in that game. And, and I think that kind of is how you can start to manufacture a rivalry. And for a new look conference like the American, the best thing that can happen for them is an immediate rivalry gets established between their two top teams. And it kind of feels like we're going that direction with Memphis and FAU. So I'm really excited to see how that pans out. Leaf, thank you so much for coming on the show. As always, it is great to have your expertise and your insight as we get into August and the kind of what we expect to be the slower part of the offseason. I think I've been saying that we're in the slower part of the offseason for a while, and yet... We still got players entering the transfer portal. We still got stuff going on. Now conference realignment is picking up. So we got a lot of good stuff to talk about here on the Lockdown College Basketball Podcast going forward. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. You can find us wherever you get your podcast. You can also find the show on YouTube as well. Go hit that subscribe button if you have not done so yet. It is much appreciated. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back on Friday with one more show to close out the week. And of course, as always, peace out.